Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. You know, God thinks highly of you, more highly than you think of you. And He calls us to, to rise to the level that He is at. You know, he, the Scripture says that, that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways. And He tells us these things so that we, we will not get satisfied with how our ways are and how our thoughts are. All right? What, he's, what this is is an invitation to think a different way. To think better thoughts, to think the God kind of thoughts. The scripture says that you have the mind of Christ, but it also says that you have to put on the mind of Christ, right? You have it, but you got to acknowledge it. You have to put it on, purpose to have his mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, all right? And the way that happens is, uh, is that you first, you have to find out what his thoughts are, and they're found in the scriptures, and you think about, you see what he thinks about you, that he says, now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. God, that's how God sees you. He doesn't see, listen to me, he does not see you as the old religious uh, slogan goes, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, 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 he doesn't see you as a sinner saved. He saw you were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. A whole different reality, all right? He didn't just cover you're, cover you so that, and then the real you still just a sinner. No, no, he recreated you. All right? Old things are gone and new things have come. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Why don't you just say that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. See, then it's, it's a big thought, isn't it? It's a big thing. But many times when, when we say things like that, we immediately go to thinking why we're not righteous, why that's not true. We think about the imperfections. We think about all those things. But that's not how you're identified by God because He doesn't identify you on the basis of your flesh. Thank Jesus for that. He identifies you through His Son and His perfect work in your spirit. Amen. That's how He identifies with God is spirit. God is spirit. And He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. So as a matter of fact, this is, this is even better. I like this thought. Not only are you the righteousness of God in Christ, let me say it another way. You are just as righteous as Jesus is righteous. I know I heard a few springs bust here in the, in the room. You are just as righteous as Jesus is righteous. Otherwise, you did not get his righteousness when you got saved. All right? You're just as righteous. So today I want to talk to you today about the seed, the seed, specifically the seed of the word. You know, God gives us seeds, and what a seed is, especially when it's planted, it's advance notice of a harvest coming. All right? I'll say it another way. A seed is the future prepackaged. All right? Now, what you do with that seed will determine what that seed will produce. It cannot produce unless it is first planted. Let's just give you some facts about seeds, some simple things, maybe just some refreshers for you today. A seed must be planted in order to produce a harvest. A seed must be watered in order to grow. A seed grows two ways, downward and upward, roots and shoots. The roots go down, the shoots go up. A harvest always contains more seed than was originally sown. And a seed produces after its own kind. A seed produces after its own kind. I'll say those again. I see some of you writing frantically. I'm sorry. A seed must be planted in order to produce a harvest. 
A seed must be watered in order to grow. A seed grows two ways, up and down, roots and shoots. A harvest always contains more seed than was originally sown. And a seed produces after its own kind. Now, Mark chapter 4 and verse 26 it was Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Verse 27, and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is likened to a man scattering seed. A man scattering seed. Now, when it comes to sowing seed, the scripture teaches us in that same chapter, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives another parable. Do you remember about the guy who went and scattered seed and some fell by the wayside and, and some fell among thorns and some fell on good ground and some fell on stony ground? But uh, and it was the good ground that produced some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. You remember that, that story? And then the disciples said, well, what does that mean? What, explain that parable to us. And Jesus said, the sower sows the word. All right? You and I all have a commission and a responsibility from God to sow the word. Not only for this world, that is, this word of reconciliation, we all have in us a, a word that will change men's lives, just like it changed our lives. It's the gospel that is the power of God to salvation. Men need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news, and women too. They need to hear the gospel so that they can believe. How then shall they believe? How can they believe if they haven't heard it? How will they hear unless somebody says it to them? All right? So it's on us to, to give this good news. What, what is this gospel? What is this good news? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Whoever believes on Him will have everlasting life. Isn't that marvelous? That's the gospel. And that is the seed that's planted. All right? And when that seed comes, they have the, the opportunity then, the hearer has the opportunity to hear that word and to believe it and to receive that seed. All right, and what happens when that seed is planted in their hearts, in that seed is everything that pertains to salvation, is everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's not just about going to heaven. By the way, Christian, you're not trying to make it to heaven. You're already there. Did you know that, that you're already there? This is how, this is how the seed works. See, God declares the end from the beginning. All right? So he gives us this advance notice. <laughs> He gives us advance notice, and he, he, he sees you, and he declares you as the completed, perfected work. Amen. So, but in that seed of salvation, of, of the gospel, is everything that's good. Is your healing, is your prosperity, is your blessing, is your favor, is uh, all, all uh, your well-being. All those things are in that seed, and the gospel contains all of it. If you look at the word, the Greek word for uh, um, Salvation is the word sozo. Let's make a friend of that today. Sozo. Captain Han Sozo. That's solo. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. Anyway, <laughs> by the way, the past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. Then it got tense. You're welcome. 
You're welcome. Okay. Sozo. And it means that sozo means, that, you know, the, the big definition is, is total salvation or de- total deliverance. But in that deliverance is all kinds of good things. It's, it's goodness. It's, uh, it's protection. It's provision. It's healing. It's a big, big, big word. As a matter of fact, when the woman that had the issue of blood, you remember the story? When she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I know I will be made whole. What she said was, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, sozo, right? Salvation. And in that was specifically healing for her, and she was immediately healed of her condition. Now, let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So the Lord, the Lord has given us uh, the seed of, this, of his word, and he has us to also be seed scatterers, not only for in this gospel, but my family, also over your own life. You need to scatter the seeds in your own life. Declare, that is, that means to declare the word of God. Now, that's how you sow the word, is by declaring the word. Amen. You say what God says. You put, get his word in your mouth. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, let's bring up verse 8. And God is able. How many of you believe God is able today? God is able to make. Now, watch. This is a big, big verse. He's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I love that verse of Scripture. There's no room for lack in that, is there? There's no room for lack in that. Towards you, having all sufficiency in all, that you always have all sufficiency in all things. Lord, I want that. In all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, this, this it's kind of a teaser, though, because it says he's able to do it. God's able to do it. How many of you believe he is able? Well, let me throw this at you, too, because everywhere that we see in the Scripture that God is able, you also need to understand that God is willing. All right? A lot of people stop at the ability of God and not willing to accept the willingness of God. All right? If he's able, he's willing. Why else would he tell you he's able if he's not willing? That doesn't make any sense. Right? Yes. Good preaching, Pastor Eric. Thank you. Verse 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. If we're not careful, we'll interpret that as that's speaking about God that does that. But that's not who that's talking about. That's talking about you that does that. Did you know that? Did you? Now you know. That's, that's found in the book of Psalms. Matter of fact, or as uh, one of my friends used to call it, spasms. I don't know why. Is that 2 Corinthians 8 or is that 2 Corinthians 9? Uh, 9. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Uh, Alex, or who is that back there? Brooke. Sorry, Brooke. Uh, Bring up Psalm uh, 112, verse 9. Actually, let's back up to somewhere... Verse 6, maybe, because it, it helps us understand who this is talking about. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Okay, verse 7. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Verse 9. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. All right. 
So this is talking about you in 2 Corinthians 9.9. 9. It's talking about you, the righteous, all right? And let's, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. All right, see, that's the fruit of chapter, of verse 8. That's the fruit of verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And this is the fruit of that. That you disperse abroad. That means you have plenty. All right? Give to the poor. Righteousness endures forever. In other words, that you leave a legacy. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and let's look at verse 10 now. Stay with me. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So here it is. It says that God is able to do this. But look at this. Verse 10 teaches us that we have a part to play. The seed you have sown. God is able, and that ability is predicated upon your willingness to sow the seed. And if you'll sow the seed, then you'll reap that abundant harvest. You'll have that which he, that which he uh, says that he is able to do. You can live in that reality. All you need to do is sow the seed. The scripture says he supplies the seed. You don't even have to come up with the seed. He'll get you the seed, but he needs you to sow the seed. He needs you. This is a partnership. He needs you to sow the seed. And the way you sow the seed is to, is to get the word in your, in your heart by reading the scriptures, staying in the scriptures, and you water that seed by confessing the word of God over your life. All right? But then God also kicks in his other part. Not only does he supply the seed, but then the scripture says he gives increase. All right? You sow, you water, he supplies the seed, and he makes it increase. As it says the kingdom of God, the guy says that he plants a seed and he doesn't know how it grows because the earth does that part. But sure enough, the harvest comes. All right? So you do your part in being faithful to be a sower. The sower sows the word. Now listen, don't get caught up in the religious thinking. I was growing up, uh, I, th there was a lot of teaching on this. And I'm, I'm not totally dogging this. I'm just saying, if we're not careful, it'll keep us from sowing. And it, it's this thinking, well, you got to make sure you're sowing into good ground. You got to make sure you're sowing into good ground. But when I read that parable, this, this, the seed... The, the guy who scattered the seed did it everywhere. He threw it over on the wayside. He threw it over in the stony. He threw it in the briars. He threw it on the, in the good ground. His job was just to scatter the seed. All right? We're seed scatterers. Yes. Now, there's times when you sow the seed and it goes into good ground. Well, that's always a good thing. But listen, you don't always know where that good ground is. Because if you're looking for good ground based on fruit already, uh, I think that you can overlook some really important things. Think about this for a moment. Let's, let's think about it. Because if it's only about sowing into good ground, God's not a very good example for us. He's not. He sowed Jesus here on this broken planet earth among nothing but sinners. That's not good ground. That's not good ground. But he did it because he's a seed sower. And if he knew if somebody would believe, somebody would believe this gospel, if they would hear that message and believe, it would produce. Isn't that marvelous? Think about this. God was really taking all the risk in this thing, wasn't he? He took all the risk in sowing the seed. God had no guarantees that anybody would respond to his love. No guarantees. 
I mean, you, you make an investment into some, someone uh, or, or into something because you expect a return. That's why we invest money, because we expect a return, right? If you didn't expect a return, if there was no guarantee, well, the chances are good. You're not going to sow into that. You're not going to invest in that. And God had no guarantees that you and I would respond because he gave us free will. Right. Think about how risky this was for God. That he would give his most precious seed, Jesus, with no guarantees of a harvest. We had to choose him. We had to believe him. That's amazing love. That's an amazing love. And he did it. He did it for us. Because he loved us. He didn't want to live without us. And he was willing to do everything it took to sow his best seed into us. The sower sows the word. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 3. As we are coming in for a landing. We're circling the airport. Come here, sweetheart. I already used you in the first service. I'll use you again. Isn't she lovely? We've been on August the 13th, 1994. Heather and I got married. And that that's been a long time now, sweetie. She was five, she says. No, she was not five. Somebody needs to call the cops if that's true. Actually, we have a cop here. Where is he? Uh, but when we, when we stood up there at, at the, uh, at, on the stage that day, at, or uh, at the altar, whatever you want to call it, um, we made promises to each other. Um, and we made promises like we were in this thing for good. We said things like scary things. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Till death do us part. Right. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to be with her till I die. That's she's scary for her. But but um, we made these promises, and you who are married did the same kind of thing. You, talk, you, you talked about the things you were promising that you would do, right? I will be with you. I will forsake all others. I'll keep myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. I'll give you my promise um, in sickness and in health and for richer, for poorer, especially for richer. And, right? Through good times, through bad times, it didn't matter because circumstances aren't dictating this love. A promise is dictating how I love you. And this promise holds firm to the end. All right? And so, um, and sometimes, my family, the feeling of love isn't there. Am I talking to any married couples today? Huh? Now, you don't, you don't have to get real excited about that. And amen to our, but let's just be real today. Sometimes the feeling of love isn't there, right? And Hollywood would tell you, well, then that means it's over. You don't love them anymore because you don't have those feelings. Really? Well, I, I've been out of love many times then. 
and back in it again. It's not a, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. All right, and love is a commitment to the end. And, and there, there, there are days that, that we haven't necessarily felt love. And, and sometimes the only thing we're, that's keeping us together is the promise. And that's it. It's kind of like, you know, when, when on that wedding in Cana, when they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine, right? And some of you, you what, does the, what does wine mean? Wine means celebration, Right? Wine means mirth and merriment. Wine means fun. Some of you, you ran out of wine a long time ago. All right? You get the wine back in your wedding. Wine back in your marriage. You know what? And Jesus is the one who will supply it. He will supply it. He'll bring the party back. But sometimes when the party's not there, you've got to hold on to something deeper than that. Something more sure, and that is to a promise. Because God designed this this way so that we would, we would remember and just be a small representation of He who keeps His promises. All right? And even as, even as wonderful and as strong as the marriage bond is, we know that marriages fail. We know that happens. So that's why we can't just trust that as the only standard. Right? Even though we as people, we do our best to do these things, but things happen Okay, you can sit down. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep you up here. <laughs> Things happen, but God is more sure, and God's Word is true. He, he is not going to let, ever let circumstances dictate whether His promise is good or not. It's good because He's good. It's substance because He's the substance of it. Amen? And when you believe that promise and you sow that seed, you declare that seed, you will have its harvest in your life. Amen. Whoever has been, First John 3, did we turn over there yet? First John chapter 3, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. In verse 9, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And I want to ask you a question. How many Christians we got in here today? Can I see, just show, how many of you are born of God? All right. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good news. All right. Help, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. How many of you, that, that you're born of God, how many of you have sinned? Wait a second. Hang on. Let me read that again. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains and he cannot sin. Wait, let's raise your hand. How many of you are born of God? How many of you sinned since you've been born of God? Wait a second. Are you right or is the scripture right? Are you right or is the scripture right? Because I used to read that verse of scripture and scare the crud out of me. And my conclusion was, well, I must not be born of God. Because I have sinned. I guess it didn't stick. I don't know. I felt hopeless. Hey, you cannot sin. Yes, I can. Well, and then I realized that which is born of God is not flesh, it's spirit. This is born of Ann Holler. With John Holler's nature. <laughs> and can sin. And he was born of James Holler's nature and can sin. And he was born of Joel Holler's nature and he can sin. Because all the way back to a man named Adam, 
that gave us all that sin nature. Right? But that's found. But now that you're born of God, you don't have a sin nature. You have a righteous nature. You have God's nature. Right? And it says that he cannot sin. That means your spirit doesn't have anything to do with sin. Nothing to do with sin. The flesh is where the sin dwells. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He said, I find that a law that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. I love Romans chapter 7 because I feel like Paul finally understands me. He said, that which I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. That which I hate, that's what I find myself doing. That, that I want to do, I find myself not doing. Because on the inside, I want to do the right thing, but the outside... Is saying, no, you're not going to do the right thing. And he says, so there's this law that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. And that is, I find that there's nothing good in my flesh because that's where the sin dwells. In my flesh, nothing good dwells. And so there's this tearing on the inside. I delight in the things of God. I love the Word of God. But the flesh is fighting me on every corner. So this says, whatever is born of God does not sin. Why? 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 Because his seed remains. See, God doesn't pull up the seed once he plants it. He planted it in you, and it remains. As long as that seed remains, you're in good shape. How long is that seed going to remain? Well, apparently... You got so saved that you can't sin. So I think you're going to be around a long time. Because death is the consequence of sin. And if there's no sin, then there's no death. Is this helping you today? I said if there's no sin, then there's no death. So that means since the seed remains in you, that means they're never going to die. I'm talking about separation from God. It'll never happen now that a seed remains in you because you've been born of God. Okay. Now, the flesh, we've got to bring under subjection. We've got to talk this flesh into this salvation that we have received. And we have to work that salvation out through this flesh and make it obey. And, because it doesn't want to please God. It wants to please itself and itself alone. It doesn't even want to please your wife or your husband. Anybody found that to be true? But watch. So the seed, it's about the seed then, isn't it? It's about the seed. It's not about the fruit. It's about the seed. Think about this. If you took a perfectly good apple and you took an apple that was rotting and you planted them both in the ground, which one would produce a tree? Hmm? Both would produce because it's the seed that's in the apple that produces, not the apple. Amen. So it's not about the condition of that fruit. It's the seed in the fruit that produces. See, this is why God is so, so sure of your salvation, way more sure than you are of your salvation because he knows what the seed will produce. Amen. And over time, as you declare the word, you declare who you are in Christ. Well, guess what happens? Your, out, your life here begins to take shape to that because your life follows your words. So plant those seeds. That is, declare the end from the beginning. That's what God does. He calls those things that be not as though they were. You declare the end from the beginning. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. That's why when he says you're healed, that's the end. Yeah. 
Jesus said, it is finished. That's the end. You are healed. Now, you might be struggling in some kind of sickness right now, but don't get caught up in that circumstance. Only be focused on the promise, just like you are in that marriage. Are you hearing me? All right, just because the feeling's not there doesn't mean it's no longer true. Just because you got sick doesn't mean that healing's no longer real for you. All right? He says you are healed so that you'll get that word in your mouth and say what God has said and give yourself a chance to live in that experience and not say, well, I guess the Lord's got some kind of sovereign plan. <laughs> Come on, be more, don't be so lazy with your faith. Get over it. Get that religious garbage out of your mouth and take responsibility for your life and get the word of God in you and grow up. Amen. I mean, it would be nice. I, I wish I was a Calvinist. I just kind of wish I was. I just kind of wish that I just believed in everything was God's sovereign will. How easy would that be? Well, God had a plan after all. I'm going to take another nap. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Amen. Because if it's all about, if, if he's in total control, why is Jesus rebuking his guys for their little faith? Right? We've got to take responsibility for our faith. Believe him and grow in that faith. Jesus said if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could just talk to that mulberry tree and it would tell it to be plucked up by its roots and be planted in the sea, and it would do it. Now, let me, let me help you today. He didn't say the faith the size of a mustard seed. Because the mustard seed is one of the littlest seeds. He didn't say that that's a, mis, that's a misinterpretation of that scripture. Because Jesus, why, if, it, if you just need a faith the size of a mustard seed, why would he rebuke little faith? No, it's talking about the kind of seed it is. Because when the, when the mustard seed is planted, it grows into one of the largest trees. All right? It's what's in the seed. Amen. And so your faith in God is, determines your quality of life. Yeah. Amen. You can either live a small life or you can live a grand life. Right. Amen. But it's going to start at the seed. And you'll be responsible from that day to grow it. And you grow it by continually hearing the word. Keep, in, keep hearing the word of God and declaring what God has said. Does this bless you today? Yes. Yes. All right. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your gospel that has changed our lives, is changing, and will continue to change our lives. Lord, there's so much in this great salvation with which you have saved us. Lord, help us to live in that realm of having all sufficiency in all things and having abundance for every good work, to not get satisfied Lord, with where we are, knowing there's so much more from you. There's so much. There's so much more seed to, uh, to sow and to water and to experience its harvest. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to receive everything that you came to give us. As you said, you came to give us abundant life. And Lord, there are some here today who need to experience a greater measure of your life in their life. Thank you for being a very present help, Lord, for them. Thank you for grace that abounds to us, that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Thank you that your mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. So that we always have hope, no matter what, we always have hope. That even when we are faithless, you 
you remain faithful. Thank you for that. Oh Lord, we want to be people strong in faith, to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your peace in these troubled times. And Lord, we, we need to know that you are on our side and we are thankful for that. Always. And you love us without condition. You love us simply because you love us. And Father, I thank you that you cause your people to walk in victory. Those that are here today struggling in some area in their lives, whatever trouble they may be facing, Lord, we thank you that it is nothing for you to help them. Nothing is too difficult for you. Jesus, you simply said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.